0: Welcome to episode one of The Dark Side of Business, the podcast for today's business professionals. Today's podcast is sponsored by Sally Sue's Coffee. Don't just drink coffee, drink coffee with a purpose.
1: Welcome to The Dark Side of Business. So this podcast is actually gonna be a dream fulfilled for us right now. One of the reasons that we started this podcast is to talk about all the things that we wish we would have known before we started our business. My personal background is I have started a marketing firm multiple websites, sold them and I actually used that capital to fund another company. That company is done really well and I wanted to share some of the success that we had, but I also want to talk about a lot of the things that I experienced throughout this process that no one ever told us about. And this is where we came up with the name of the dark side of business. This these topics range from, you know, the depression that's very common in entrepreneurs for the ups and downs that you face from that emotional roller coasters we previously referenced. A couple things that we wanna challenge every guest that we bring on this show, including myself, which we'll talk about a little bit later is one, what is something you wish you were told prior to starting a business? The second thing is, what would you have done different with that knowledge? Those are the two questions I think that everybody should be able to ask themselves and give a good output of information for us. Because I think one of the things that we learn as entrepreneurs is that we could often write a book of the things that we don't know.
0: And I think that's the point of this is, is to just not scare people, but open their eyes to everything that goes into starting a business. Because most of the time you hear all the rainbows and sunshines of, you know, start a business, it'll be great. But it could be great. But there's other things there's roadblocks that come along the ways and things that you're going to have to manage to make your business become successful and we would just want to help bring those to light
1: absolutely one of the reasons that i fell in love with the concept of entrepreneurship is i love the tv show shark tank and with that show you see these people come on the show they sign these great deals and they show the shark tank success stories a lot of times what you don't see is the hundreds of hours of week that these individuals are away from their families the capital that it has come by to create these dreams most of the time it's cashing out your 401k it's selling stock it's selling your cars and a lot of this stuff i can relate to personally in order to fund a business growth and with that you see the romance of entrepreneurship of working 30 to 40 hours taking a vacation when you want and there's a lot of just misconceptions of the reality of entrepreneurship like you said we're not trying to scare everybody but there's Education is key. Knowing the realities and the other items that go along with business is what is going to help a lot of people be successful so they can plan for those roadblocks.
0: And I think that's uh, that's one of the biggest things is like, well, just we, what, can, what can you do to like, just we just want to broaden everybody's horizons, open their eyes to, you know, opening a business or starting a business isn't a bad thing, but there's going to be problems that come along with it. There's going to be financial problems. And we're going to talk to people that have gone through this like yourself and other people that you know starting a business was always a dream for them and you know they they stumbled a little bit in the beginning and it's because you know maybe they didn't get the right advice well we want to help get that right advice for some people where if you do feel like you want to start a business these are the things you need to be aware of and uh, we're gonna dive into some of those things here today with our first episode of this podcast
1: And I think one of the reasons that it's very important that we have these conversations is the majority of businesses do fail in the first 18 months. And a lot of times it does come from funding. And that's just one of the reasons. But for us to highlight some of these other factors, maybe we can prevent and increase your odds of being one of those organizations that succeed.
0: All right, Tyler. So you're a business owner. What is one thing that you wish somebody would have told you before you got everything started?
1: I really wish someone said, just don't start a business. (laughs) <laughs> but, but seriously though it would be to focus on being small and making small mistakes so the the biggest miss i think for most entrepreneurs myself included as i made this mistake a multitude of times is wanting to scale extremely quickly everybody's focused on scaling their business as fast as possible and one of the issues you have with growth is when you grow something that may have been a thousand dollar mistake when you were small can now be a $100,000 mistake when you're larger. And it's a lot harder to bounce back from a $100,000 mistake than it is to bounce back from a $1,000 mistake.
0: Do you think that's one of the things that lead to a lot of the a failing of business is these people, you you got to have goals. You got to have goals with everything you do. But do you think that they get their goals too big too fast and then things kind of fall apart underneath them as they're trying to reach their goals and making things bigger? Absolutely. I think a big part of that is,
1: is we've become a McDonaldized society. And what I mean by that is we become a a society of impulse, of immediate return on our investment, right? So we go to McDonald's to a drive-through to get something in real time. We we, we become a less patient society, right? And that carries over a lot of times in entrepreneurship. We create these goals, and if we're not selling $10 million a year, we think we're doing something wrong. We maybe have three to 4% growth, but that's not enough. It's always we want more, we want more, and we want to do it quicker. Because a lot of times this means that you're balancing a regular job plus a, your part-time job of your business. And that's the reason that we're so focused on moving so quickly is because of that concept. And like you said, I think I believe a lot of what we're running into is people are trying to move at such a pace so that they can achieve these goals quickly instead of focusing on making sure that they achieve them. Time doesn't matter. I, I understand the concept of first to market, but the majority of businesses, there's a lot of room for people, even if you're second, third to market. A great tool is benchmark. Let somebody be first to market. Learn the mistakes that they made, learn from them, and then move move on to perfect it.
0: So you mentioned benchmark and kind of just seeing where how other people go with with their businesses. Maybe it's not a bad idea to watch them. What are some of the other ways that you can fight, you know, trying to reach your goals too fast and kind of make yourself you know, pump the brakes a little bit and reach those goals that or a reasonable time, but not kill yourself doing it in the process?
1: So one little cool trick that I've learned recently is, I' actually got it from my brother, um, think of what your goal is, right? So if your goal is to climb Mount Everest, find a way to climb as many small mountains as you can, in the process, right? Even if it start with a hill, start somewhere small, and find ways to make little steps, right? So if you want to climb Mount Everest, think to yourself, this is my long-term goal, but how do I make a short-term goal and drag it out? So, for instance, instead of there, find a local, local hill that you can climb, and climb that hill a hundred times in a year, so that you've perfected that concept. This is used a lot. So think about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I don't know how familiar you are with that, but perfection comes in repetition, right? Yeah. So if you can do an armbar and you can do it a thousand times perfectly efficient, master that technique, you're going to catch guys who are even more advanced than you with that armbar. Because so perfected. you perfected it. Perfect it. Perfect these the little steps and focus. So I think that's one of the big things that can help people kind of. Put the brakes on and really lay into it is finding ways to perfect the trade that they're in in little increments.
0: So if you're if you, if you're gonna focusing on you know the short term, how can that can also lead to you know not reaching your goals in the future? So how do you you know juggle the two of staying focused on your short term goals, but also making sure that your long term goals with your business are reachable? So
1: the nice thing about that is you can assign yourself five short-term goals, right? What I like to do is monthly, quarterly, yearly, right? Mm -hmm. And this make sure that each one of those goals is directly tied to your big picture. So think about building a house. Have to have a foundation. Your first short-term goal is gonna be to dig out that foundation. Your second short-term goal is to put your forms in and to continue to build that project. So, I mean, without footings, without forms, without a, a foundation, Your house isn't going to stand so making those short-term goals and a lot of those short-term goals need to be focusing on cash flow which is one of the things we'll get to in a little bit is capital absolutely kills growth and what do i mean by capital kills your growth is as you grow you're required to have an astronomical amount of capital so if you want to think about it in this way nobody really gets cod so cash on delivery typically you have what are called terms. So you'll have net 30, net 45, net 60, net 90 terms. And what this means is you have people who are gonna pay you in 30, 45, 60, or 90 days. What that is, so if you ship a product to a customer for an initial order, now you have to fund that order. So now if they sell out of that in a week, you're funding that second order, the next order, the next order, up until you get your first check. So you can tie up a ton of capital into that investment.
0: Is there ways to get around that or is that just that's part of owning a business and maybe something that people didn't tell you when you started is like you're going to have to put up a bunch of money to be able to make money down the road.
1: Absolutely and they always say it takes money to make money and you have to you have to spend money to make money I guess would be a better way to explain that and there there's not a whole lot of way around it because I mean if you like with our business we work with grocery chains we work with the restaurants and everything like that and it's very common practice to be on net 30. So to get that to customers you're typically always going to run into those same terms you can offer a discounted rate so one of the options you can offer is hey you know we'll discount this 10% if you'll do a COD or you'll do a net seven a ways to try to get cash quicker Mm -hmm. but then you still have other capital outliers that come with it which is your traditional overhead. You run into a lot of issues with trying to fund growth if you don't have those cash reserves. And that's one of the things, like I had said, is I wish I would have learned to grow at a smaller rate and stockpile more cash. So one of the things that I did, I personally have cashed out my 401k, I cashed out my stocks at my corporate job before this in order to fund our business. In addition to, I sold um, a few websites and part of my marketing gig that I was doing before to raise revenue, and it was still drastically under what I needed.
0: All right, so you talked about, you know, dealing with grocery stores and restaurants and uh, and getting your product into those businesses, and that's that's ultimately a goal for a lot of people is to, like, get their product into the consumer's hands. Now, the one thing that you kind of maybe, maybe might forget about as you're going through that process is you can't let just trying to make a buck to survive affect your product. So how do you go about that? Making sure your product is still top of the line and something you're you appreciate and respect and are proud of, but still make that money down make that money that you need to.
1: So I think that's the biggest trade off I think that a lot of people made and it doesn't have to be. Because one of the concepts that I preach to anybody that I mentor is have a customer before you have a product. The reason being is you may think something's great you know, say I came up with a pickle ranch and jalapeno dressing that I thought was fantastic. Yeah. And I pitched this to 40 other people, they could all think it's disgusting. Just because I like something and I think it's a great concept doesn't mean it actually is. So one, like you said, mastering that product is key. And one of the things that I recommend highly to every business is to ensure with 100% confidence that your business model is based on a set of values. And for us, ours is all about focus on being a social responsibility responsible company. And what that means is for us, how do we make the interactions between our consumers and our producers impactful? So what I mean by that is, the people who are actually harvesting product for us How do we make sure that we are doing the right thing by them and the right thing by our consumer? And if you do the right thing and you give back, it's gonna come full circle. And as we develop as a country full of technology, that's gonna continue to progress.
0: So one of the biggest things you're saying then is, if you have a product, you wanna make sure that it's something that everybody's gonna want, or at least a group of people are gonna want, not just because you like it and think it's a good idea, it doesn't mean it's gonna be a good idea. Absolutely. You wanna get as many opinions as possible and be able to receive that
1: constructive criticism because not every idea is a great idea. And the other piece of that is, is realize, and it took me a long time until recently, to realize that you can't do everything on your own. The key to success is a team. So surrounding yourself with intelligent people is the reason that Steve Jobs the reason Bill Gates, Sam Walton, and these guys have been able to be so successful in their lifetimes is from surrounding themselves with people who are experts in other fields. And Just because you have a great idea doesn't mean everybody else is going to think it's a great idea. So absolutely, get as many opinions as you can, and then have other people that you're partnering with or talking to, have them reach out to their network. With how much of Opportunity that exists now to be involved with social media, we have so much opportunity to things that no one had in the past. Right now, I can get real-time opinions and feedback from consumers through social media. We give out a ton of free product to get feedback, and that's something that we could never do before on a so before social media.
0: Mm-hmm. So you talked about mm-hmm. having a team around you. How important is it? How important is loyalty in in starting a business?
1: So loyalty and integrity, there is nothing that trumps that. I can teach almost anybody anything from computer programming to marketing. You could teach people calculus. I mean, there's so many things that can be learned, but what someone does when you're not around, the integrity piece of it, the character part of it, those are things that we can't teach. And having somebody who's loyal in your cause And on your side is invaluable because if someone believes in something as much as you do, they're going to spread the word and they're going to be driven to do the same thing that you're
0: doing. Now, how about a time that you've been burned by maybe having some blind loyalty? Like you were, you thought this person was loyal to you, but they were kind of the integrity might have been lacking when you weren't around. They were doing other things. So, do you have a personal experience from that? So I have several.
1: Um, So a couple of them. One we had. I think in one week's time, I had 26 and a half hours of cell phone time that was actually recorded. So, on a 40 hour week that they were paid out, um, 14 hours were actual productive time. So that was one that we got burnt on pretty bad. Um, another one is we had somebody who on the clock stopped, had dinner, went to a movie, and then came back. So that was the second time that we had a serious issue. And then another really big one that we had was someone who tried to fix a mistake and tried to cover it up and ended up costing me about
0: $23,000. That's definitely not a good mistake then. No, it was a very, very costly mistake. Just keeping on the money train because everything, you know, you gotta have money to start these businesses. How can the focus of, you know, just making making money, if your goal as a business is just making money, how can that hurt the representation of the product that you have going, that you're trying to promote, or just how is having that goal of just making money something that can hurt someone in a business? Because
1: we're no longer focused on that as much as a society. I mean, you have the rise of B Corp, um, which is more value focused. You have a lot of companies now that are changing the verbiage in their mission statements and their vision statements in order to actually drive awareness on being social more social responsible uh, profits obviously we need profits to be successful but in addition to those profits one of the other things that we need is we need to do things that it's going to further the growth of the company and a lot of times what that entails is focusing on the right cause like I told you doing the right thing is going to reward you tenfold and being profitable is here's the other thing is being profitable is not always going to advance your growth because What happens if you're simply focused on cost and sale, to give you that as an example, someone will find a way to produce a product cheaper. Someone will find a a way to make it more efficient. It's always the better mousetrap theory, right? Mm -hmm. But what brand loyalty do you have with someone who's just focused on price?
0: Talk about maybe going into business and, you know, you kind of find some things that work right now. It's talking about cutting corners with making to make your product successful or your business successful, what effect can ha- that have? Like doing something the easy way at the beginning, what effects can it have on you down the road?
1: So, I mean, one of the things that I've seen in my industry. So, I'm in food manufacturing, and one of the biggest things I've seen is people not following proper um, like HACCP guidelines, which is hazard analysis, critical control points. The other thing that I've seen with that is not following general compliance guys. And to them, some of this stuff is very expensive. And the reason being is these are put in place to protect consumers, right? So cutting corners to make a profit, or a lot of times what you see is people who will not spend the money on the additional equipment like metal detectors or stuff like that. But now think about if a piece of metal was to end up in someone's food product. Think of the long-term response. Or say now someone doesn't carry recall insurance because it's very expensive. Now you have a handful of people that you got sick, or even worse, say you've got hundreds of people sick. How do you manage without going bankrupt that option? you know, Another big part to that is, just not even from a compliance standpoint, another one that I see a lot is people who will avoid doing taxes. Okay. You know, paying taxes, they try to pay people cash. One of the problems with paying people cash is if you're audited by the IRS, what happens? So now you're responsible for a back payment of a significant amount of money or if you just would have paid it on the front end. And I know the hope is always, well, I'll do it later. I don't want to get caught. And the same thing with health insurance is or work comp. Not carrying this stuff with the hopes of that you'll get by until you're able to cover it. But if something happens, work comp is probably the biggest one. If you have somebody who's, let's say, killed in an industrial accident at your facility, you've permanently ruined the life of someone and their entire family. And now what what can you do to help with their family? I mean, what services
0: are, do you have that you can provide to give back to help if you don't carry work comp? One more before we move on to the next subject. Just one more thing that you wish somebody would have told you before you started a business. So the biggest thing that I think if I could give anybody advice is
1: the way that you're successful is not by 10 million customers, right? The way that you're successful is to find a way to get 100 or say 1,000 loyal supporters because those people are going to be your army. Those are the people who are going to spread your brand. They're the ones that are going to support you no matter what the process is. And that's what I think most people miss from a business standpoint It's keeping your regular customers happy. What does it take, and I mean for us, I can't tell you how much free product I've given away, thank you cards that I've written. Those are the customers that keep your doors open. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who are going to send you 10 or 12 more. And you think if you have a thousand of them and if they send you 10 or 12 more people and if one of those people per 12 becomes another loyal, your army just keeps growing.
0: All right, so describe the roller coaster ride of being a business owner.
1: So, this uh, is a little bit personal to me in the fact that I can speak that this is a little bit crazy for anybody. So, as a business owner, and keep in mind, so I've had three companies in my life, and it's feast or famine is what I found as a small business owner. And this is the largest scale that I've had as a company, and it's a little more level, but it's still very similar. And what do I mean by feast or famine? There's times where you're focused on, am I gonna make payroll? Do I have enough money to keep my power on? Do I have what's needed in order to pay my suppliers? And who can I borrow money from? Where can I get money from? What can I come up with to have cash? And then the other part to that is, you'll have a huge order so then there'll be a month where you'll do it's like everybody and their brother's reaching out to si- set up new accounts you've got cash coming in that from orders you know you have catering you'll have this you'll have uh an abundance of cash flow the most prevalent with this would be is i remember me my cousin we had a roofing company and we had two to three months where we had made you know for us at the time we were young made like 35 40,000 dollars which was unheard of in a summer, mm-hmm. and this was just when we had get out of school, and then the following three months, we couldn't find any work to save our life. you know. So that money, of course, being young, we blew through it, and we had nothing to show for it, and now you had the winter months coming up because we made all of our money in the summer. Mm-hmm. So that little piece of knowledge that I could have taken then is something that relates to everyday business, because you never, you know and it's it's not unheard of for grocery stores to if your product's not performing, you know, or say it is performing but they want to bring in something new, if you get discontinued or if you have one major account. If you lose that major account, what does that do for your business model?
0: See, so yeah, it can it can be a roller coaster because there's ups and downs, you never you, there's always uncertainty, I guess when you when you have a business like you said, you know, am I going to be able to pay my employees this month? what's what's a way to kind of is it just being responsible with everything and keeping everything on track a good way to kind of make sure you don't run into those problems?
1: I guess the biggest thing is being transparent with yourself and transparent with your employees, especially when you're in a tight cash flow spot and because it is it's very much a roller coaster with payments and I mean even if you have your budget established right the, the roller coaster still exists and it's just not always financial so think about from a stress standpoint as well so I'll touch on that in just a moment, but from the cash flow part of it is setting aside and making sure that you have two months of operating income would be my biggest piece of advice. Make sure you have 60 days cash at all times in case something comes up. And then make sure that you diversify as much as possible. One of the biggest mistakes I made is putting all my eggs in one basket with one large company. And when you lose that customer, it drastically changed your business model. So you need to be as diversified as possible.
0: All right, and then what do you talk about you know, anytime you're on a roller coaster doing business? Of course, you, you have your business life, but you also have a personal life. What kind of effects does you know being an entrepreneur have on your personal life? So
1: that's the, the biggest piece of why I've dreamed about putting this podcast together, is I think right now, one of the things that's drastically underestimated is the stress that comes with entrepreneurship, the hours that come with it. You're never off the clock, is you work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, because you wear every hat. At the end of the day, your name is on that product. Your name is on that service, and you own it. So with that, it, it does. It has a big tie with your family life. I mean, for me, one of the things that I do, and it's gonna sound crazy when I share this with everybody, is I'll get up at 6 a.m., take my son in to school. After I do that, I'll work through the day, I'll, we, I'll pick him up from school, we'll spend time as a family together. When he goes down to bed, I go back to work. So I'll work from 8.30 at night till 2.00, 3.00 in the morning. So there's most of the nights I sleep three to four hours a night um, with that because it, it, you're working a lot of hours. And if you start to do that day in and day out, it, it has a toll. And a lot of times you'll run into where your family life and business life start to blur where you've got 16 meetings that you have to prep for this month, and how do you prep those meetings and still find time to not take away from your family? So a lot of times you'll catch yourself on your phone doing notes, and you'll be doing a lot of stuff like that when you should be spending time focusing on the family time and stuff like that. A lot of, it's just It kind of blends together, and you don't realize you're doing it a lot of times, and I mean I've caught myself where it takes my six year old saying hey dad let's play come on let's go let's go play let's do this when you're like yeah you know what I'm sorry this can wait till later or there's times where you're like hey buddy give me 30 minutes I gotta run through payroll or hey I gotta send off a copy of our sales forecast or something like that and there's got to be some give and take so I mean it's hard on the family and then events you know how hard it is to take a weekend off
0: <laughs> you pretty much can't I bet is when you first start a business you, everything's going into that business so I can imagine it's it's probably hard to take off those weekends
1: it is and I mean we haven't had in two to three years I haven't taken a vacation so I look forward to the time when I could take a real vacation mm-hmm. um, but it's part of being an entrepreneur and with that that has a lot of strains on the emotions so I mean Realizing that you're not committing 100% sometimes to your family is a really hard thing to swallow. Because as an entrepreneur, you typically the, the personality type is you want to solve every problem. You want to be the person who can create solutions for everything. And when you're not able to do that, it's something that most of us, it bothers us. You know, Because you want to be the perfect father. You want to be the best husband, the best boyfriend. You want to nail those down. And it's hard that a lot of times For us to swallow that you can't be everything all the time and that's why it takes a team like I told you before and you got to think too not only from the family standpoint so now when you have a business you adopt a family it's the best way I can explain it now you have employees employees who count on you so you have to deal with the stress of not only I have to feed my family but you got to feed your employees and your employees families that's on you you hired them so it is now your job to take care of them and a lot of people don't realize that so now you have a very, very large family that you're trying to take care of and that you worry about and you're trying to make sure that you have your own personal life, the business, and trying to tie that all into one which it wasn't until recently until you had a couple, you know, E5000 CEOs with even suicide. I mean the depression that comes along with it and the emotional roller coaster, it's real. And I think one of the things that people don't realize is one, there's help available. I mean you have the Small Business Administration, who is awesome at mentoring and guiding, that's one way. There's tons of information online. I mean, realize that depression's real. Realize that the ups and downs are part of life and that other people have gone through it. Worst case scenario, if I could give one piece of advice to everybody out there is at the end of the day, even if your company fails, if you go bankrupt, your dog's still gonna love you, your family's still gonna love you, and you could probably find a job because if you could scale a company, start a company, run a company, you're very employable. Yeah.
0: I think I think there's finding time for a family balance. Yeah, you you talked about how you do it, you know, picking your kid up and taking them to and working, finding ways around that. For someone that kind of gets lost in that, what's a way they can, you know, you you kind of talked about ways to get out of it, but if there's just one thing, if you want to snap out of, you know, your life is, your business and your personal life is too much blended together. What's like the fastest way to snap out of that?
1: So one of the things you can do is actually take your, one, get away from your cell phone. Set aside a four hour block or two hour block and realize for that two hours, you are gonna be a ten year old again. That is the best way that I can explain to people is I don't care if it's take your shoes off, go barefoot, walk around in the grass. If you have children, go play with your child, play Legos, pretend to be an Avenger. I mean it's something that will take change your perspective. And I mean that's one of the ways that I found that it's been very helpful for me, you know. One of the other things is thirty minutes a day of working out, you know, pull ups, jogging even meditation a lot of these little things can help with that stress and a lot of that and but i found that my family is the one thing that grounds me
0: all right and uh as so we've talked about some of the roller coaster ride how it affects your personal life um what is a common misconception that people have about a business owner because everybody oh you. You own a business, you're, you're a huge millionaire, you're fancy cars, fancy restaurants. That, that can kind of be a downfall because that's not always the case. Absolutely not. So I, I love that you
1: brought that up. So one of the things I think is a huge misconception is owning a business means that you have wealth. So one of the big misconceptions with owning a business is I get it all the time. When I, I do a lot of speaking. I, I do a lot of mentoring. And one of the things that I get that's very common is about the minivan and why I drive a minivan. Everyone's like, you own multiple businesses, you have multiple locations, and you drive a minivan. And it's true, so I do, I can admit that I'm that guy who drives around (laughs) in a black minivan that looks, I'm sure, pretty cool. Um, But the reality is, it's a cost-effective vehicle, it's good fuel mileage, and it works for our family. Um, You don't make a ton of money for many, many years as an entrepreneur. So I right now can honestly tell everybody who's listening, that I probably take uh, the least amount of wage for hours put in out of anybody in our company and I make significantly less the minimum wage when you take in the total hours that I put in. And the reason being, everything that we make goes back into the company for growth. And being an entrepreneur, we're far from being wealthy. Everything that we have is physical assets and we're not actually taking a lot from a cash flow standpoint. So I always find it interesting when people ask me about the minivan and I'm like, you know, I I don't make a lot of money with what we do. On paper we've got assets but we don't make a ton of revenue. We still ask ourselves, you know, should we go out to dinner this week? It's We gotta kinda watch the budget. We're very finicky about our budget and it's not because <laughs> We're being super frugal. It's we just don't have a lot of discretionary income because when you grow a company, you're not going to
0: make six figures for a very, very long time. And if you try to take a six-figure income, you're going to kill your company. That's a, kind of what I was just going to go on. How hard is it when you start a business to you know kind of get that mindset that I'm going to be making less than the per the employee that I hire? Like how? Because like I mean, a little bit of ego it goes into owning a business or being at the top of something. How do you you know? take that down and you know kind of humble yourself and realize that I got to take less money to succeed long term like what's what's some ways you can go about that and like just throwing the ego aside
1: so it's really tough so I'll admit it, it was a reality check from that concept so yes it is setting your ego aside right the other part to that that I found is having ownership you know knowing that at the end of the day you are responsible for everything but you're not getting the pay for everything is one of
0: those things that again comes back to that ego. It's so kind of like a second way to look at it. Like maybe you're not making it's not helping out your checkbook, but you're in charge of everything and and, and that's kind of what you got to take pride in a little yes.
1: bit. Yes. And and a lot of that is taking pride in the little things. And that's a, it's a hard thing to swallow sometimes, but it's the reality. Um, with that talking about, you know, realizing cash flow is so important and sometimes I found where I've cut my own pay completely for a week in order that we have additional cash flow in the business. And it's very hard to do that sometimes, you know, because you're paying people more than what you're making. And sometimes that's a a hard reality. But when you think about long-term and the growth, right? As we grow, my net worth increases, as we are able to scale. And that's kind of what the reality is that I always try to put in the back of my mind is knowing that long-term everything we're doing is continuing to drive forward.
0: Thanks for listening to episode one of The Dark Side of Business. New episodes every Wednesday.